Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Consequence Podcast Network. He's Barry. I'm Brad. Yeah. How are you, buddy? Hi, Brad. I'm doing great. How are I'm you? Doing, I'm doing super, too. Uh, I want to get right into this because it's a very lengthy chat with a, a human being who we adore and we have the utmost respect for. And not only that, it's very insightful. Not only to see how festival world and the music experiences are changing and evolving, but also if you are a Bonnaroo nerd, festival nerd, you're going to get a lot of answers, a big chunk of our chat today with Jeff Cuellar. The back half of it is all about Bonnaroo and his time there, which was considerable for 20 some odd years. Yeah, not just Bonnaroo, Railbird, Forecastle. If anybody in the industry knows anything about the growth of festivals in uh, America, 
since Bonnaroo came on board in 2002, it's Jeff Cuellar. He's, mm-hmm. he's been the face of it. He's been the guy behind the scenes. He's been, as you point out, Brad, and I think you nailed it right on. He is, he's the brand. He is the voice of the brand. Put it that way. He's the guy that when we had questions, had the answer. And he's the guy that helped drive the, the, the train, so to speak on, uh, a lot of uh, what has developed over the years. I tell you, the people I like the most in this industry are the ones that make it look easy. Yeah. Everything he does, he makes it look easy. Maybe That's just because he's the coolest cat in the world. That's but, a great point. Um, he just makes everything look so effortless, almost to the point where I ask myself, what does he do for a living? Uh, <laughs> is he, this is this job? Because it seems so easy for him it just rolls off of his tongue excellent communicator uh remind me before we get into this explain his job and what he's doing now vis-a-vis what he was doing before with bonnaroo he was very similar actually when he was at bonnaroo he when we first met him he was at ac entertainment and then which was bought by live nation his job was essentially vice president of partnerships and it had a whole long string of things behind it uh, he once told me he's kind of the guy that when they have a new thing and they can't figure out who should be in charge, it becomes Jeff. Uh, so he's VP. He well, over VP. 20 years, everything became a new thing. Yeah, he was the guy that, you know, hey, uh, TV stations want to quote, go, they go get Jeff. Hey, what should we do with this VIP section? Uh, go ask Jeff. Uh, you know, so he, had, he literally had his hand in everything. He currently mm-hmm. is vice president of partnerships with sixth man s-i-x-t-h-m-a-n uh which is and we talk about it the global leader in festivals at sea but also sand and land so he's shifted jobs so he's very much doing the exact same thing it sounds like um just on just a boat a, just on a boat just a on a boat capacity. on a boat and on on islands that uh, yeah. uh that the company owns yeah pretty sweet spot so yeah. uh but you know when you were talking about how, what a cool guy he is. I mean, one of the questions we asked him is about that decision back in September to cancel Bonnaroo. I mean, he gave, he gave the right answer. I can only imagine how gut wrenching all of that was, but like you said, they handled it like professionals um, made the right decision. So he's, we've said it for whatever, five years now, having him on as a guest that first time, I think is when we realized this show uh, could be a little bit more than what we originally thought yeah, because of right. people like him. That's right. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we originally thought, yeah, that's exactly right. That conversation changed the entire direction of this, of this entity. And um, there's one answer he gives in particular about this, uh, about this festival that we all love so much that really warms my heart. Uh, it makes me very, very excited. Uh, and you'll hear it with their chat with Jeff Quayar who was just so wonderful with his time. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, we will not be back after, the, um, after the, the interview. So enjoy that today. And we'll be back next week on the What Podcast. It's Jeff Quayle. Within an hour of Barry Quarter, I, know. I will. 
Yeah, so I, can, I can ignore him from 90 minutes away. Yeah, let me, <laughs> let me give you a hint. I lived five minutes from Barry Quarter. I still never saw him. So you're in for a treat, my friend. You're in for <laughs> nice. a treat. Nice. What part of the country are you in now? I'm currently still in Northern California, just outside the Bay Area. So you're leaving Northern California for Atlanta. You say it so uh, so, so disparagingly, like oh, uh, I don't I'm know. Not making a good, I'm making a good move here. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, I yes, I I am I am, uh, and I will say I, the things there there are there are less things I will miss than than things I will not miss. Uh, what weather? Sure, biggest thing. That's a yeah. big thing. Let me just let me start with the obvious question. Question: yeah. Have you ever been to Atlanta? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I have I, never I, lived in Atlanta yet. I have I've had good times in Atlanta, and I got wow. this close to producing a festival in Atlanta, but um, we ended up pulling the plug due to um, a hurricane that came through. If you guys mm-hmm. remember, when, remember when Tomorrow World got knocked out, it was just outside of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got the remnants of that that destroyed our build for Afropunk when we were when we were producing. Oh that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do remember uh, that. Yeah. So yeah, I've, right. I've had some fun in Atlanta. Uh, yeah. I like. I've seen the house that I purchased. Um, oh, it, it seems it seems cool. I'm excited about the area. As, uh, as, as someone who is preparing for a move myself, I yeah, he, um, I'm literally. It, do you know how fear the fear that lives inside of me to sign a lease with a apartment slash building that you've never seen before? I've done it twice, oh, so God. I'm very aware. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I actually, I bought a house, like not this time. I at least went out and saw this house. The uh-huh. first house I ever owned, we did not see it first. Wow. Yeah. My mother yeah, did a- that when my dad moved the family from Indiana to North Georgia. And I I mean, it's, it's relevant and I'll, we won't belabor this, but as we're driving from the airport on that 40 minute drive, about 35 minutes in, my mother looks at my dad and says, Bill, what have you done? <laughs> And I'm pretty sure she put the for sale sign right back in the yard. It right. took two years. <laughs> First off, and I and I apologize, this is going to get personal in the next you know little while here, but why did you make the move to get out of um, this version of the industry and into a completely new one? Um, it, it really was complete, I, I don't call it serendipity. Uh, I, I wasn't looking. <clears throat> um, I, I think you guys know me well enough to know that I was happy. I, I was really happy. I love doing what I did. Um, and I mean, obviously I'm still essentially kind of doing a lot of what I, what I did beforehand. Um, and I, I felt like even with some of the transition that we had from, you know, coming out of the pandemic and then being now like under C3 uh, and reporting in, in, in that way, uh, honestly, there was a lot of opportunity uh, to continue to grow, uh, what, you know, was kind of being put forth in front of me, uh, in terms of that, that those growth opportunities were, were fantastic. Plus a much larger team at, 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 at our disposal that I really hadn't had in the past. So from a standpoint of, was I happy and was I looking? No, I, I wasn't looking for anything. I was, I was happy doing what I was doing. And obviously floored that, you know, we didn't get to execute Bonnaroo. That's still, I mean, every time that just, enters yeah. my brain i'm just start to just cringe because that was so painful um but I, I wasn't looking and then uh you know honestly a, a headhunter uh reached out to me and uh it's someone i'd known um as someone i'd known for a while and uh, he's like you know 
I know that he knew I just moved out to California where I, you know, recently moved out to California for my wife's position. And he was like, listen, I know you just moved out here or recent and um, but there's this opportunity and I think you would be perfect for it. And I would be remiss not to at least talk to you about it. Can and, I, uh, let me, can sure. I jump in real quick? Uh, uh-huh. Cause I, uh, should we do like station IDs or like that? Well, something like that. Something like that. Cause <laughs> I ran across we something. traffic on the tens. Hang on a second. I ran <laughs> across something that sum, sums all this up and it's, be, it's almost a better uh, explanation of why we're talking to you. Um, sure. First of all, I was thinking about it this morning. I think you had maybe the best job next to mine that I know of, except you probably make a, made a whole lot more money than I do. I love what I do and, and the job you had. So I just did a search and the headline and it's on global newswire. And for people who don't know who Jeff is, I think this really just sort of, but acclaimed music festival director, Jeff Quayar joined sixth man as VP of partnerships, uh, which they describe as the global leader in festivals at sea. Now you, we've always teased you about your, your titles. That's a good one. I didn't even know festivals at sea existed. Yep. But it points out, you know, your leadership roles at AC, C3, Live Nation, Bonnaroo, Forecastle, Highwater, Railbird, Moon River, and a lot more. Mm-hmm. And I mean, to me, that's why, I mean, you've been a guest on this show a couple of times and Brad and I have always said you've been one of our favorites because it's always been so insightful. But that's what we want to talk about is for 20 years since it started, I mean, yep. you've been right there at the forefront of developing these things that we love. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just thought it was interesting that it's not just us that think that highly of you. It's all these other <laughs> well, people. Well, let's, let's be fair. I mean, we know who writes the press releases. <laughs> uh, so however it gets done. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, Brad. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so it, it is an interesting time to do this because, yeah. um, well, but I, I won't put words in your mouth. Do you feel some sort of shift in the festival world uh, away from what you had built and the things that you had seen in the, the years with, with Bonnaroo and the then C3 Live Nation? Uh, I don't want to call it necessarily a shift, but I definitely see the growth in our in the industry. Um, you know, we've talked before in the past about how, I mean, Europe, is I still feel uh, ahead of the United States when it comes to the uh, adoption of the festivals and, and how how consumers essentially you know it is it is woven into the fabric of you know of, of entertainment choices and things of how how they want to consume and, and be a part of these uh, events and and the U.S. has been you know catching up quickly uh, in that space. Um, but one of the things that I think has started to really develop over the past few years is this immersive experience. And that is more, I think, as artists have become, I don't want to say bigger, but uh, more developed from a standpoint of not just being, you know, banned on a stage, but, you know, the extensions of some make wine, some make whiskey, some do, you know, podcasts, some have fashion lines, some have, there's so much more that are entangled uh, into what is, you know, what it, what it means to be an artist now, um, that these more immersive events are really intriguing. And, and I think that's kind of where, where they caught my attention 
um, when, when I started having the conversations in my initial conversation with Anthony Diaz, who is the, who's the CEO of a six man, um, was this understanding that they are gathering, you know, the goal is to gather these passionate fan bases. So when a lot of people think, you know, let's go grab the biggest artist there is that, you know, is selling, you know, millions upon millions of, why, what are we selling? even concert tickets uh, these days. Um, And that's who you want to create a destination experience around, but it's not. It is really looking at those artists that have these rabid fan bases that are in Reddit groups, that have fan clubs, that are buying merch, that are that are doing all of the things that that make, you know, that, that are associated with that that particular artist, and then be able to create an experience there because you ask a lot of a fan to, to come and to do an immersive destiny, like come on vacation, you know, with me and, and, and understand what it is to be a part of it. But honestly, it, it while we've created, and I'd, I'd say one of the aspects that I, I loved previously about, you know, my, my other role was I felt like I had a great opportunity to find and, and work in underserved markets and, and some of these, you know, that are not the major metropolitan areas, but, you know, the Charleston, South Carolinas, the Louisville, Kentuckys, the Lexington, Kentuckys, um, Asheville, North Carolina, some of these hotspots that are just so juicy in terms of what they offer as an experience that we got to shine a light on that. Yeah, if I and, love when you say, I love when you say the words juicy hotspot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I loved that ability to create that spotlight on some of those communities and really dig in and be able to showcase it through food, through art, through all those different things. And the shift for this is I'm now getting to do that with for an artist and being able to look at it from that standpoint and not necessarily just partnering with an artist, but it can be doing maybe around a genre. Where are the passions at? You know, uh, you know, before I joined Six Man, um, you know, they had done like Walker Stalker Cruise. And those people who are extremely passionate about The Walking Dead got to have that kind of experience over a number of years. Um, they've done comedy before, like in Practical Jokers. They've done all of these different things where there is a passionate fan base mm. and that are looking for that next level experience versus perhaps going to, uh, let's call it a land-based festival, um, that is more or less let's give you a smorgasbord. I mean, it's curated. So I don't want to say a smorgasbord, but a, you know, a curated experience down a certain genre or whatever it may be, but you're still only getting what, you know, 45 minutes to maybe two hours if you're a headliner on a stage. So, so, so let me, snippets. so let me back up for a second. Yeah. So the, there's, there's a, basically what you're talking about is you find an artist, you find a, a clan, you find a, a fan base, you find the, then you curate an entire experience for them for insert amount of days. The bigger the artist, I'm guessing the bigger the cruise, the smaller the artist, the more, you know, small the boat. Um, am I, am I going in the right direction here? Kind of, okay. uh, you know, I would say that the model has been refined over the years in terms of what makes sense. And, you know, Norwegian about, I guess it's about 10 years ago, purchased six man. So the ability to, have an understanding of where we can move ships around uh, in order to create these experiences. Norwegian owns two islands. So therefore our access to be able to create, you know, do something different and actually utilize the island as a potential destination space. And then resorts, you know, resorts are part of this too. Um, And it does, so it doesn't necessarily have to involve 
a ship. Um, but that is the, I would say that the bulk of the business revolves around a ship. Uh, but doesn't have to be. So we, you know, we've done events. So all the best uh, with John Prine, um, you know, rest in peace, uh, that, that, that event that was done with them. Melissa Etheridge, we've got one coming up and we're doing uh, that at Playa Mujeres. Um, so it doesn't have to be a cruise, but it got can it. be. But so, um, so right. if there was, if there, just real quick, if there just happened to be a rabid fan base that loved, say, a podcast and they all wanted to go on a cruise together um uh-huh. that podcast probably wouldn't fill a norwegian ship but would they have a pontoon boat available for us <laughs> um, <laughs> you know i it's podcast is actually one of those verticals that you know we're looking at as uh as as an option i think there is there's something there i mean you look at the fans who are who are tuning into podcasts the way they are now, now how does that work how do you super serve that guest and maybe, you know, either show them how the sausage is made or do something interactive in a way that, mm-hmm. that really capitalizes on it. But it's it's so much more than just bands on a stage. Right. I mean, of, that's where I was going to take TikTok stars, for instance. You get a whole bunch of TikTok stars on a that's a, it's a really it's fascinating yeah. now that I've thought about it, because you're right. I immediately when all this happened, I was like, oh, Jeff's. Running some cruise ships, um, but this makes so much more sense now. Okay, but it, it's the yeah. what I was going to say. Listening to you and thinking back to you know some of our conversations about uh, our Moon River here, which is a boutique festival. One of the things you said was people are looking for that next level experience. They want a unique experience. They just don't want to go stand in a field or a or somewhere and watch a ninety minute set or a forty five right. minute set. They want to feel like they've seen something. Uh, unique, mm-hmm. but it sounds like this takes it further where it's a two-way street where yeah. not just the fan is having that experience, but the artists now want to be involved, right? It is. So my first event that I did with six man was soul shine uh, where Michael Franti, it was, it was a partnership with Michael Franti and to see him, I mean, he's such an amazing individual period, um, but to see him and his wife on the ship, and their interaction with guests, you would think that they, I mean, like it was Christmas for them. And in terms of just some artists, you know, they want maybe a little bit more separation. And we have the ability to create that with different ways to configure, uh, you know, where they stay. There's a place called a Haven that, um, I mean, honestly, you talk about roll like a rock star, looking like an amazing place to, to experience a show. Be in the Haven as, as an artist is like, wow, I get paid to go do this um, and travel around through the Caribbean or wherever, wherever we're going to go. Europe doesn't, you know, pick the destination. Um, So there are different, even experiences that we can provide to the artists, but those artists that choose to just kind of maybe be exposed a little bit and, and kind of let their guard down and, and say, these are my most passionate fans. These are the fans that will basically carry me through as long as I choose to have a career yeah, and done. kind of having that understanding and knowing that, yeah, I can go sit down and have a cup of coffee and just allow people to come sit down with me. And we just trade some stories. And then I have to go walk away because now I am up to go do a set on a stage or do, um, do a cooking presentation well, yeah. in terms of like things that I like and, and just being able to showcase the personalities that are a part of those artists and and not just the host artists, but even the other artists that are trying to gain those following. So you've got a lot of, I mean, it's not just one act, 
you know, it's typically, you know, peppered with several acts and those acts have the opportunity to make fans that will carry them through the rest of their, the rest yeah, of their I mean, I mean, fans think it's in the past, especially it's, you know, it's a glamorous life, but they don't understand it's 20 hours or 22 hours on the same bus roll mm-hmm. into a city backstage, unload, play the show and leave and, you know, rinse and repeat. Right. You know, which, which has its pluses. I'm, you know, it beats digging a ditch, but what <laughs> you're talking about is, uh, you know, an, an immersive. That's what yeah. I mean. It's both ways. It is definitely both ways. Right. Um, and you know, there's definitely opportunity to make money, you know, how much, well, how, much control, yeah. how much control are you giving the artist in, or whoever your feature is, uh, with something like this? I ask because, when you started talking about the immersive experience and, and changing and growing sort of from what festivals were, it was remarkable to watch Hootie and the Blowfish basically just throw their own festival. Uh, yeah. We're going to go to, we're going to go to Mexico. Uh, we're going to get bare naked ladies, blues traveler and Hootie. And we're going to play for three days uh, on the beach. Um, that was, it, it struck me as why aren't more bands just doing that? Why aren't bands curating their own, their own things like that. And I wonder how much control, if a band really wants to, how much control do they have over what you're offering in, in one of these things? I think, I think it's becoming a model that more and more bands want to participate in. The question is not necessarily can they, but they're expensive. You know I mean? They're, they're definitely, is just like, I mean, anything involving a live performance, there is a, an immense amount of risk that goes into it. So where who is who is taking that risk on and how you know how is that being you know served so i i think there is you know that hat you have to get past that um and we kind of have, have created this proprietary index of honestly we'll take an artist and run it through to determine whether or not we feel like it's a safe bet and if it, mm-hmm. it you know if it gets high on the index it's something to say like there's something here and if the artist is going to have that kind of participation and be a part of it, we feel like there's a great chance of success. There's also something you run through and you're like, no, that's, that's going to be a risk. And if the artist is willing to help share in that risk, then, you know, perhaps, you know, we can take a look. Um, but it is, it really is funny, you know, kind of running through that stuff. Some artists you would think are like slam dunks and they are because, asking someone to join you on a three, four, five, seven night vacation, um, you know, and perhaps on a cruise ship, because let's be honest, there's stereotypes that are involved in cruise ships. And I think until people experience one of these events, they're like, oh my God, that's totally not what I thought it was going to be like. I'll be honest, my first one too, I was like, I think I went in with a certain expectations and I was completely floored. I'm like, oh, I get it. And, you know, one of the easiest, most tangible thing, having my background of the number of times I've used a porta potty, didn't have to use a porta potty once, like, and that alone was. That's magic because, that's because I'm the run off the boat. <laughs> <laughs> but just like the ease of access and how tired, like you aren't. Like I'm a fan of music festivals. Anyway, I'm going to continue to go to them, but you're exhausted. And I can honestly say, even after working, you're like, it's not bad. Like that's that's a pretty solid place to be in in the Caribbean. Uh, you know, enjoying it in kind of a different way. Um, you know, everything's got its pluses and minuses, but it's, it's a, it really is a beautiful thing. And to, to kind of watch it and to see these fans and I liken it to, um, the most passionate Bonnaroo fans. 
So think about that, like on a scale of like within a specific artist base, it's just the knowledge, the understanding of the operations, the, all of it, like that's where it kind of clicked with me when I started having these industry conferences. I'm like, we're, we're basically taking the most passionate fans, which, you know, I dealt with on a Bonnaroo level and doing it in a destination. What, which, what's been the most interesting one that you've done so far? Uh, I'm still, I'm still, uh, I'm not, a, I'm not salty yet. Uh, I've now only had my second uh, cruise. Um, So my first one was- Wait, 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 wait. Is there a group of the salty? Is there like an induction ceremony to become salty? Is there a whole thing, really? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. You start getting like, there's number of events and there's number of days at sea. And it's, it's pretty amazing to see the, you know, some of uh, my colleagues and stuff, the number of days they've been at sea, the number of events they've participated in. You get uh, to a certain or, number or, and all of a sudden you're wearing an eye patch. Like what is uh, the, know, uh, yeah, you go around yeah. the Cape and you got to get an earring. Is, I mean, yeah. is it all that? You just, you understand things about maritime law and other stuff that uh, is just, it's just a different, nice. it's just a different life. Um, so you've done, you've done two so far then? I've done two. Yep. I did uh, Joe Bonamassa, our partnership with Joe Bonamassa, the Keeping the Blues Alive. Um, which I think was either the sixth or the seventh uh, iteration of uh, of that event. In fact, we've got them again here in uh, in Europe. So we're a Mediterranean one will be sailing this summer. Um, but uh, yeah, and, and two from Soul Shine with Franti to Joe Bonamassa, Cue the Blues Life, completely different experiences, hands huh. down. And but the one thing that carries true is the passion and just mm. the sheer happiness everyone is just billowing out the entire time. And um, it really is a way to focus in on, you know, with, with our company and our values is, you know, super serve the guest. And I think the, the artists see that too, as a way of saying like, you are taking care of, again, the people who are going to take care of us for the rest of my career. Does this feel like next level um, or uh, an, an addition or does it feel like it's going to replace something? Will it replace festivals or live no. shows or just feels like it's a, a next level? It, it is. It definitely is a next level type of thing. It is, it is not for, you know, not for everybody, but I think as artists recognize their power and the, of course their ability to, to make money um, on the touring side of things, it is to me, it's almost one of the purest ways for them to build that bond with their fan base. I mean, three eleven. I want to say we've done 10 cruises with them, uh, 10 events with them. And now we are, we're helping to handle 311 day as a part of their team that was actually just in Vegas. We had a team just get back from uh, the 311 day in Vegas. Um, but to think that, you know, we've been doing their cruises for a number of years and then, you know, now helping them out on, and when they do 311 day. So it's like every other year is when they do their cruise. But I mean, just thinking about 311, I mean, the, you know, no one could say that they're huge in terms of like, chart popping and things of all those lines, but they've got that fan base that, you know, will carry them the rest of the way. And they're, they're passionate. Our, our fastest selling before we did launched the emo's not dead. So we partnered with uh, Matt Cutshaw and the emo's not dead social handle and launched that event that's happening this, uh, this fall. Um, Coheed and Cambria was the fastest selling event in six man history. I want to say it sold out in like three days and now you've got uh, Emo's Not Dead, which I think sold out in, in two. But you think about like Coheed and Cambria, no offense to Coheed and Cambria, the phenomenal act, but you know, they're not a household name for a lot of folks. Well, I'm and, just, and they've got a 
massively passionate fan base. Uh-huh. I'm just sitting here thinking our own Roger Allen Wade, who people will know he's Johnny Knoxville's cousin. If you're going to be mm-hmm. dumb, you got to be tough. You yep. know, he's a known guy. He's a Chattanooga guy. He just this past week came off of a cruise with Lucinda Williams and Emmy Lou Harris and somebody else. And, and my point in that is Emmy Lou and Lucinda are not people that I imagine say, you know what? I want to hang out on a boat with people I don't know. Uh-huh. You know, but they did. Oh yeah. Um, Multiple times. They, they yeah. are, they are pretty salty themselves. Um, and I think understand the, uh, the, uh, the value that, you know, these types of events bring to the table. Yeah. Yeah. They just got off the, the outlaw cruise. So it's yeah. outlaw country cruise, That's it. which we are having the first or first or second iteration of outlaw West this fall. And I think they already announced dates for, for outlaw, the continuation of it, because it's now hitting its so so the so these all all obviously port from different cities. Um, when you get the people that buy tickets, the people who are 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 they mostly local from the city that they're porting no. from? All over. Are they? So like, when you said the Mediterranean uh, that's happening, uh, you know, am I am I buying something that is including a flight to get to the port city? Um, no. Or okay. flights on you. Okay. Yeah, so it leaves from the port city. You, it's up to you to get to the port city, um, and then from there, you know, we're you're you're essentially your ticket, your cabin pays for your all of your experience uh, on the ship. Your obviously your 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 stay and food. Now I, there I, are I, some like uh, upper food packages that you can. get. There's some restaurants and stuff that are on board ship that you can pay a little extra for or something along those lines. And then your drinks are are on you as well. I I hate that I just asked that question because it turned you into a travel agent all of a sudden. I, I, you know, I'm no, sorry okay. I get for my package. Yeah. It's, it's new. The number of new people who get introduced to cruising because of this is, I mean, let's, let's be, let's be frank. It's why Norwegian, you know, was so impressed sure. with and, and wanted to, you know, wanted to bring six men into the fold is it is a way to help shape or shake the stigma that cruising is just for, um, older demographic because mm-hmm. you know, I, we got a, we got a paramour cruise, you know, we've done paramour for a, a number of years. You talk about, you know, the, you know, it's a young demographic. Well, I guess at least it, it was younger, even when we were started doing these things, um, but that are piling on and, and you hear it, the majority of them, this is their first time on a ship and it's definitely not going to be their last. Now, are they, you know, I think it's, it's, it's up to us to continue to deliver and over deliver on those experiences, whether it's changing ports, acts that su- support it, the experiences that are on board, um, all of it. But, you know, it all goes as, as part of the experience. That's what I was going to say. I could see where, you know, my first one, maybe I went to the Caribbean with Coheed and then I find out they're going to next time do an Alaska one. Mm-hmm. So I could, I could see where, you know, I get to see the band I love, but now I'm going to, you know, do a cruise in a part of the world I've never seen before. So, exactly. so, so I this is you. all, this is all with, uh, six man. Um, yep. is it, is it in conjunction with any of the live nation AEGs of the world? Or are you guys all booking this yourself? Uh, it's, it's primarily coming through us, but, but okay. yes. And we have worked with, uh, you know, other partners in terms of, of trying to, you know, secure talent and, and things along those lines. But, you know, again, it's, it's one of those things that you got to kind of get it. And, you know, we try to invite, 
you know, folks to see it and to see, you know, the Haven, especially, and there's different class ships. I mean, to your point beforehand, like what size ship we've got a model that works around, uh, the, like the, what we call the jewel class. And like the, the Norwegian Pearl is a, is a ship that we use quite often, but we've configured it to a point to like, we know how to load and unload in terms of production, build a stage on the pool deck and the, the types of things that make it work. Um, in, in a flawless type of way, because one thing that's different is, you know, when we build festivals, depending upon the event, you know, I'd get anywhere from nine, you know, three, four, five, nine days to build an event. You've got less, you've got hours because that ship could potentially be somewhere else. It's coming into dock. We basically crane stuff on, decorate it out, you know, vibe it out the way it needs to be vibed out, load up passengers, and, and we're going. And then the way we kind of have some certain things structured, we'll do kind of back-to-backs. So you could have Kiss coming off and Soulshine coming on in the same day, and we're able to flip branding everything with how, the ship and have it many, down How many a year are they pulling off? Um, next year, we are, I think right now we're going to be, we're slated for 22 events. Okay. So, but, but we've got, we've got right now, I've got three back to back that are about to leave, um, out of ported out of Miami. Um, and then we'll have, I think five more in the fall, uh, and then one, one in Europe or one okay. in the Mediterranean this summer. And this is, you know, obviously it's kind of our, as we're kind of scaling back up to, to get to, to get to place, but yeah, 2023 is going to be an exciting year and 2024 is going to be even bigger. And we're, we're already, you know, 2023 is just about fully booked. Um, and then 2024 is, I, I would say, you know, do you, do you, do you have, do you have like a white whale? Do you have a big one that you, that you're just holding in the back of your pocket? Like, uh, I got a, I got, I got Lady Gaga. I'm uh, really. Um, I think that's part of the mentality that's probably shifted for me. Cause you know, I used to think about headliners and you know, what is going to be best to draw in a festival crowd and, and pull them into whatever city we're doing. Um, where my headspace has changed a, a lot is who are the most passionate fan bases. So I don't really think about it in terms of like white whales anymore. And from that standpoint of like, who do we want to see on, you know, what stage of Bonnaroo? It is more or less now who can we, you know, who's the best for us to super serve? Like who, who are, who had, who gets it and who, um, you know, who's got that fan base that just is really attractive to create something special. And then we build our own events. So like Kayamo, which is about to happen, uh, this iteration of it is a festival brand that we've created, um, that, you know, we take and, and, and move a lot of places. Um, what's, I'm trying to think of, of more, uh, that we've got, there's, there's just so many, um, we've got a new one that's about to launch here and like, two weeks, three weeks. So I got to look at my calendar somewhere yeah. um, that, uh, that there'll be a brand new festival concept we've got coming out that uh, I'm, I'm personally, I'm, I'm really, really excited about it. So uh, well, my speed in terms of genre and stuff. Well, speaking of festivals, yeah. Um, what do you miss the most about the festival world and the festival life? Ooh, that's a good question. I, I mean, I would probably say my team. Um, the team that, that, that we've built, you know, over the years. And, and when I say team, you know, it's the, you know, the immediate, you know, colleagues, the same company stuff, but as well as the, the uh, industry as a whole uh, from that standpoint and getting into it in a city and, and trying to solve those kind of challenges. Like it is a, it's a special group of people. 
and you know they are family uh, in a lot of ways, and they will continue to be family. I, I will always support um, everything they're currently doing out there. So it is, I, I would say, you know, the fact that you know some of the some of these people I've been working with for twenty years, um, I'm not working with some of them, and you know, but there are some that you know, have jumped over, uh, and, and are now working with us, yeah, uh, in different you. ways. I mean, I've got, I've got a couple of people that were, that worked with me, you know, AC, uh, on our events that are now full-time at six man. So it is that I know that will develop and I know, you know, that will happen. There's also several that are contractors that are part of six man events that I've seen them like, Oh my God. Yeah. We we've worked together a bunch. So I think that will start to co-mingle more. Um, but it really is the team. And I'll say to the cities, you know, there is, there is something special about, uh, I mean, I, I'll, I'll say it no matter what, you know, Manchester Coffee County has, has, has been a home for me. I think when I added up days, I've spent more time in, uh, in Manchester than any other city in my life. Um, so, you know, those types of, of things, I still keep in touch with a lot of people uh, in those places and even other cities that, you know, that, that we, we've done business in and, and uh, that, that you know, I, I liked being able to, to shine a light on those communities because they are so special. I want to, I want to ask about Manchester and the 20 years and all that, but I, let's work backwards a little bit if we can. <laughs> okay. You, you mentioned it. Um, and we've obviously talked about it probably to death on this show and, and a lot of other people have, but if you don't mind, what sure. was September like? Um, I mean, just leading up to it and everything. I mean, obviously 2020 canceled, 2020 moved from June to September, you know. It, it, I, I don't think I had been more excited to go into a run. And, you know, it was Railbird into Bonnaroo than into Moon River. And to go into that run, I, I don't think I had ever been so excited. And I knew we were, there were a lot of challenges that we were going to be facing for all of our events. I mean, just coming out of, you know, the pandemic and the way we did and, and how do you, you know, everything was changing and you, you could feel fan frustration because, you know, we're having, you know, we're giving real time information on stuff. And uh, is for some people, they, you know, liked what we were saying. Some people didn't. Um, and I think that, you know, it kind of goes with that, that political environment. Um, but going in, uh, I, I, I had that zest of, Oh, so ready, so ready uh, to, to do a lot of it. And just being at home, I think, I think even my wife and, and family were like, you've been home too long. Like you, <laughs> you got to go. Right. Um, and so the Jones and just to get out there and be on site and, and feel it. Um, I think one way I physically did it as I went out to uh, the farm first, did some work out there, then went to Lexington to, to do Railbird, then came back, of course, to the farm and then and then up to um, Chattanooga. Um, so, you know, even even coming after, you know, it was the biggest Railbird, you know, we ever did there. I mean, it was it was, it was a great event. We had some we had some stumbles that you know, they needed. To, so how corrected. So um, back to back to September for a second. How yeah. close was it to being a guest? Do you, do you, how close do you think that it, it actually could have been? I think a lot closer than people realize. We built it. It was built. It was it was ready to go. Um, the challenge was for for those of us that uh, are you know saw Manchester salty uh, and Bonnaroo salty. We knew 04. and knowing the amount of rain that we had in 04, Yeah, exactly. I was there. 
I was knowing there. the amount of rain we had in 04 and, and understanding what that did to the property and what that did to the experience, what that did right. all over the place, it was going to be worse. Expl- and so that, 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 I think you just hit a point, point that I totally forgot about. Explain what it did to the property because I had to pay a kid $50 to pull me out yeah. of a, a, a mud pit. Um, and this was just a random kid from the neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. And I think Jeff, you're going to, you're going to say it, but I know we talked about it. I talked about it is people don't understand. They see a mud puddle and they think it's just a mud puddle. They don't understand what 80,000 people walking through that mud puddle does to it over a day or two. Right. But, but yeah, that's a great question. What, I mean, what were you thinking? Um, the, what we lovingly call the back 60 and seeing how we had changed some things up operationally. And even if we wouldn't have changed up things operationally, that, you know, that, that honestly, that didn't matter. There was, there was so much rain. I mean, I don't, I'd have to go back and look at, you know, Tennessee records, but I think during that span, I think that had to have been like the wettest time frame, like on record period. It was just an immense amount of rain. And what would happen, the ground was so soft, you put any weight. And when I say any weight, I'm talking like a human foot, you've just now created a mess. And the, could we have gotten everybody in? Maybe, but the amount of disruption, mud, just everything, one, it would have destroyed the grounds. Two, everyone would have been stuck and no one would have been getting out of it. And it would have been, it would have been a safety issue. And I think that's the other part. Talk about some bad headlines afterwards, man. Oh, it would have been, I mean, like, I I mean, heck, we talked about, I think I referenced Tomorrow World uh, before, and we all know what happened there. I think it would actually I don't think I know it would have been worse than that. And it is not at a fault. It's mother nature. You know, she, she, she won in that level. So when, when people think, you know, like you asked me like how close we got the amount of brain power that went into every possible thing from opening up refund windows to shifting things around. Do we, you know, not open a day and open up a day later in order to like, let the sun come in. I would say every single plausible and even non-plausible option was put on the table, some executed and done to give us a shot because no one, no one, no one on that team, even the people who were slogging it out, like actually getting, you know, just dirty, muddy, gross, um, wanted to bring it down. When, when, you like, make a call like, when you make a call like that, how many people are in the room batting ideas around? Uh, I mean, you know, you, you bring in the brain trust. You know, it, it's a small group, but it's, you know, you, you, you bring in the people who specialize and, and know certain things. Cause as you know, it's like a ripple effect, everything is affected. So like, how does this impact food vendors? Can they get shipments or, you know, can they get their shipments in to get stuff done? Can we service porta potties? Can we, all of those different operational pieces um, factor into it. And so you solve one problem, but you have to make sure you didn't just create three more. And so you know, it's a small team, but you got the best in the business in terms of trying to figure it out and, and share that collective knowledge of what happens to the property when it gets wet and then what is needed to be serviced to make things, you know, take place. Did, did anybody in the brain trust disagree? No. Okay. Totally unanimous. Totally unanimous. I, I think we, there were some that, you know, wanted to try and push it, but it, it's it, it's a safety issue. I mean, it comes mm-hmm. down to you, know, you just it, can't you can't you can't do that anymore. Like I, I don't think you can take those types of risks anymore. It's not worth it to do it from a standpoint of of 
destroying the brand and and what has been built over 20 years so you know could you have ramrodded it in there maybe but then mm-hmm. then you're potentially killing it for the next 20 years and is that worth it and again i go back to just safety and experience and if everyone has a crap experience like it's just you, you weigh that and it's just it's just not not worth it i think that's where that salty thing comes i mean that's a you were there in 2004 yep. brad and i were in fork and louisville you know, with when the gust NATO or whatever the oh, heck gosh, that was yeah. came off the river. And, you know, I remember you running down the <laughs> running towards the stage, get everybody out of here. Yep. Uh, I'll, just, I'll never, I'll never forget Sam Smith. Poor Sam Smith comes out and he says, hello, Louisville. And then three <laughs> seconds later, good night, Louisville. Yeah. Uh, run. <laughs> yep. So, I mean, you've seen all those kinds of things. Yeah. And it's, and it's fun. I, you know, being, you know, in my limited time right now in this position to see the salty folks and making some of the decisions. Uh, And it's kind of interesting too, like with the Caribbean and able to work. One of the benefits is one, we've got indoors as well as, you know, doing an outdoor pool deck, but knowing that so many things are so close, some of the hops that you do or port stops, you could really do in like a couple of hours. So they're just out doing donuts in the, you know, in the ocean, like tooling around. But what it does is it allows you to have time so they can see storm fronts and stuff coming through Mm. and like go around things. And so from that fan experience side of stuff, there is more control and being able to watch some of this stuff firsthand and learn, you know, how, uh, you know, how my colleagues and stuff like that navigate that um, is, is fascinating to watch because it, it really is like, it's, it's just a completely different beast. And, some things you have control over some things, of course you don't. Let me ask along those lines then, because uh, on our last show, we had gotten an email from Bonnaroo about the changes that have been made, paving some of the roads, mm-hmm. uh, some changes to the, what do they call it? Stormwater and that sort of thing. So you haven't been gone that long. I, I assume you probably have a pretty good idea. Um, we haven't been on the farm in three years. Um, oh gosh, yeah. What sort of, things changes uh do you know of or do you think have happened along those lines i mean you guys have been very good and and we laugh about it you know i've written about it you plant grass nobody you know cares about planting grass except for bonnaroo people or shade and those sorts of things so you you know for the veterans what sort of things do you think have happened to the farm up there um, you know, I haven't seen the, you know, I know there was probably more stuff that's been done since, uh, since September, um, in, in regards to, to improvements. Um, so I'd be kind of curious to see certain things, but a lot of things that like people never got to see right. are, you know, like, well, I guess people wouldn't see production road, but production road being paved. I mean, stop it. Know, that's the paved road. That, that is a paved oh, glory. Road. Hallelujah. Yeah. Jesus. Praise yeah. your name. God. <laughs> I, uh, it is, uh, and it's glorious. Like, so when I was down there, um, like I would do, I would do kind of runs. Like I found like a good three mile loop that I would do, uh, just to go for a run and get some exercise in. And yeah, there's a good part of the running off. But when, paved, but when they were talking about the paved roads, just, just to make sure when they talk about the paved roads, they're not talking about a paved road through Cineru. They're You're talking no. about the paved roads around okay. yeah. in production road and down to like the campsites, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. See, I was worried. I, me and Barry argued about this last week, but uh, you just don't pave a road through Cineru. You just don't do that. Yeah. Your feet have to touch the ground and it cannot be through asphalt. Yeah. 
but you want to be able to service things where you have your heavy equipment and things like that, that, uh, that do differently. And, and there's always been work done regarding like drainage and like, how do you, how do you, you know, map certain things out to get water. So, you know, things can drain and the, and the, and the ground can rehab quickly, uh, where certain things are positioned. There was a lot of thought. And I think, you know, take the benefit of the, that amount of rain is, you know, for some of that group, uh, you know, they're new or they're newer to the property. So they got to see the worst, you know, I mean, yeah. what, Oh, four to 2021, like look at that span of years that we had never experienced something like that ever again. So there is now another, you know, there's now a new brain trust that has, that has now seen what weather can do and therefore impact some of the decision-making because, you know, we didn't own the property in Oh, four. So <laughs> the ability to make certain changes couldn't be happened, but now that, you know, that team or, you know, the, the, the more, the, the recent team can got to see a lot of that. I think, you know, it makes it easier case to say why you should do something when you're like, you can make it happen. Oh, hello there, friend. This is Brad Steiner. I'm Barry Corder. After you check out the latest episode of the What Podcast, be sure to check out some of the other great programs on the Consequence Podcast Network, including... Rootsland. It's an original story of two friends who take a musical and spiritual journey from the suburbs of Long Island to the streets of Kingston, Jamaica. Or Kyle Meredith with... Where you can find interviews with all of your favorite musicians and bands. Hosted by our guy, Kyle Meredith. New episodes air weekly on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Head to Consequence.net to listen to these podcasts and many great others. To, exactly. to, be, to be clear, uh, 04 was one of the worst experiences I've ever been a part of. I literally said, I will never come back to this place. I loathed it. The, I, literally the next year, the, the girlfriend, then uh, eventually wife, the girlfriend at the time looked at me and she said, why are we not going to Bonnaroo? It looks incredible. I said, I will never, ever go back to that hellhole again. Because that's what, to your point, it was so bad. The user yeah. experience was so bad. And if I will always give Bonnaroo credit for it's a lot like Apple. Apple understands user experience and user interface. And that is the most important part of their entire um, operation. And, and Bonnaroo just has always done that and excelled at that. Um, so, you know, it must have been a very difficult decision in September, but a worthwhile one. With that being said, how... This is what you do for a living. What is the most important thing when you're trying to communicate even basic information, hard to deal with information with a brand voice? How, what, what are you trying to do there? I think it's authenticity. You know, it, it is, it is being, you know, heck it's one of the, you know, the, the, the things that stay true to Rue. And, and I, and I think that honestly extends into everything. So every event, everything that, you know, I, I, I have my hands in, I think of what that, what it, what it means for that specific event and what do they need to hear um, that makes it better. The, the challenge is so many people want to believe they're experts and think they've got the information that can counter counterbalance the truth. And, you know, if someone comes in and says, you know, I've been to 17 Bonnaroo's or something like that, it's like, yeah, but you're a fan. Like you, you aren't in the back room making decisions. Um, and that, you know, that again, again, that goes across the board is 
people try to say, you know, I, I've watched message boards and things like that for, for a lot of events just spiral down. It's like, well, I know. And it's like, actually you don't. And then do you jump in like as, as an expert, like, do you, do you say like, you're hundred percent wrong. And I know because I signed a check on that one. Like that's not what happened. <laughs> um, or do you just let it happen? And that, that probably is, I think that's some of the stuff that's changed over the years of how engaged message boards or, or you know, comment have, sections or have whatever. You, have you engaged be. on a Reddit or a message board? Have you done it? Uh, every time I do, I regret it. Um, I have, and, and it mostly is a lot of times it's like, let it play out. And your people that are grounded in reality, uh, will typically come, come to defense and help squash it. Sometimes you utilize, there are other methods in terms of going to influencers or tastemakers to, to provide them the correct information and allow that voice to, because I, I think at times, you know, if, if I go in there and say something, I'm paid to be there and say something like even, even if I've got the right information, correct information, and I can, you know, give you the full time on wherever it may be. You may not listen to me. You're like, Oh, he's just towing a company line or, you know, he's just all about profit. Nah. Um, that, you know, that comes out of that. So do you, do you have a conversation with someone that, you know, that, that, that there's that trust and that can be a tastemaker to say like, Hey, here are the facts you know, do what you want with them. Here they are. Uh, and, and allow, and allow that to kind of happen. But it is, it's that authenticity. It is, it's a challenge. I mean, it, it really is, you know, that some of the things I think that probably get me more, and I know, uh, you guys as a stand-up amazing, uh, journalists and, and members of the media, you're actually going to, I tell fart jokes on the radio. I am no journalist. <laughs> I, yeah. Uh... But you're going to fact check. You're not just going to throw <laughs> something try. out there we and say, and, and say that, you know, this is it because, you know, Bob down the street told me so. You're going to dig in. You're going to ask for comments. You're going to find out where things come from. And I, you know, I, I never, I never want to say anything bad about the press, but today in these times, there are more of just stuff getting out that is just blatantly not true. And it's like, did you even ask the question? Well, because if you would have, if you would have just texted me, I would have been like, no. That's wrong. Do I have a comment? No, but I can tell you that that's wrong. Like that is factually inaccurate. Um, oh. And that's, that's frustrating as well as because when you're combating that stuff, again, you're, you're, you're not going to win. I'll say the thing about Bonnaroo and, and um, you've been a huge part of it. And I'm not saying that because you're, you're sitting right here. Uh, it, you guys have always seemed to approach it that we're not just worried about this year. We're worried about next year and the next and the next. And yep. that, that's a different attitude than a lot of people, you know, have, and it makes a huge difference like grass, like bathrooms, like water runoff. You know, we all laugh about that. I, every year I write it, but I'm like, that's long-term thinking. Uh, and Brad, Brad said it with the last time we were there, when we walked in at night and saw the lights in the trees, you know, we just went crazy about that kind of thing, but that's that little detail that, you know, for the first timers would have not realized it was new, but for veterans, it's like, oh, that's a really cool improvement. Well, I mean, look, I, it's those little details that as a guy that, you know, runs a, a radio brand, which is definitely not a music festival. It's those little details that when I watch other radio stations do drive me nuts, absolutely drive me nuts. I'll give you an example, literally over my two shoulders. Um, 
you know, Jeff probably has an example like this in the Bonnaroo farm, but this was the logo that was done before me. That's the logo I did there. That typeface drives me batshit crazy because it's completely inconsistent. It's crooked. It drives me nuts. People do this all the time. And when I see somebody pay attention to details like Bonnaroo, right? Um, uh, by the way, I fixed it with the new logo. Just mind. Okay. Uh, but uh, when I see Bonnaroo, the other one is still there. Well, that's because it's, you know, what are you going to do? Go ahead, I can't, I can't solve every stupid problem. Um, <laughs> but, um, the, uh, but when Bonnaroo gets the little details right like that, it makes me feel really happy because I've invested all of this time and energy into a brand that cares and that, and that knows that the details matter to the point that I was trying to sort of insinuate with the, um, with the question it does feel as though the brand's communication has been eh, spotty at best. And I wonder if they are aware of stuff like that, if it is in the consciousness, or are they just trying to hold on and survive and just make it work for right now? Obviously, I'm not in that room anymore, and sure. I can't necessarily speak to that. that but that's why I freely ask you, because yeah, now you're unshackled. I can say from- that I, you know, the people that I left that are, that are still there just slogging it out and, and putting it to it's still some of the most passionate people in the business. And there's a lot it, fewer of them, is. right? No, there's, there's more than you. Th- I mean, you know, that have had, you know, 20 years. No. Yeah. There's very few uh, that have lasted long, but I mean, there's still, I would say a, a lot of people who are still within it are still, you know, veterans of the business, you know, that, that, that are from that standpoint, understand what it takes to pull off a large scale event, every event being different, but the group that is behind it and, and the group that is still pushing forward on it, um, some of the most passionate, they care, they genuinely care and want to do what's right. And that comes from the top down and the bottom up. I mean, it's, it's, it's a whole, everybody, I think they understand and respect the power, you know, that they, they yield or wield within um, that brand specifically. And there's a lot of care and attention done to it. Um, you know, I think we're all navigating, you know, coming out of the pandemic, especially as we ramp back up in the live event world, the pressure and the desire to go, go, go and, and do more. And, and some of that can make you tired. You know, we're all human. We all make mistakes uh, and that's going to happen. Um, but I, you know, again, not in those rooms, but I do know a lot of the people who are still there, obviously. And I, I can't say enough positive things about the group that is there, that is making the decisions that is, you know, doing everything they can to, to make that event and to make every event they're a part of special. And it's, it is a, it's a family within the industry that, you know, I I think for those that are salty and have been in it for quite some time, that care and attention is there because you don't do an event as a one-off like that is when you go in doing something, the, the intent is to create a legacy on it and to build a brand and to build a, a, a passionate property that, um, that will, that will stand the test of time. And, you know, sometimes things come and go and that's just the natural evolution of things, but that is definitely the goal going in. Um, and that's, you know, I can, I can speak to that even now sure. as, as we're looking at destination stuff, as we approach our, our partners uh, in terms of artists or, or not even artists, but like how we want to do things, it's not about one event. Like we're already thinking this is how it's going to evolve over the next five years. And if we're not in that same, if we're not together, simpatico in that place, then we need to have a conversation. If this is going to be the right thing to go, because you have to build these things for future. And you have to take those right steps in order to make it 
um, to, to maintain the longevity. So, so, so as somebody, I absolutely, absolute trust, um, would you consider and understanding that you are sort of biased because these are very close friends and people that you care about and, and think that are doing, uh, you know, wonderful work. And I don't deny any of that. Just be totally honest and real with me. You feel as though, even though there's been a lot of change, it has really adjusted. The whole structure has almost been completely upended. You totally feel confident that it is going to be the same feeling walking in there this year than it was five years ago, four years ago, three years ago. I do. Okay. And, and where I go with that is it's still incumbent upon the fans. I think the delivery of and, and fan mentality and, and, and how people come together is different. I mean, let's be honest. None of us here, we're not young anymore. Um, you know, th- this is this stuff's not meant for us. I mean, I, like I, it's, um, I you know, a lot of these things great. are a lot of these events across the board are built for, you know, f- for the youth in a, in a lot of ways. Um, so that is the one thing that I that you, you can't look through that lens because what was important to you and I five years ago probably not the same thing that's important to us now. So mm. that sure. is going to sure. change. The musical tastes are going to change. So it would be remit, you know, it would be wrong to kind of look through my lens like five years ago, because it is, it is a constant torch passing for an event. If it's going to maintain it, if it's going to stay like one thing, the entire time, it's mm. never going to stand the test of time because things change. Like you get married, you've got kids, you've got life responsibilities and I can't go do this or I'll come back to it. And you have to understand there are certain pieces that will, that will maintain that are still a part of that soul, but Mm -hmm. it's not, I don't want to say it's, it's not targeted to you anymore. And as long as you're willing to understand that, yeah, there's going to be kids there, but you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, you were a kid too um you know from that standpoint so I, that's the part that i think has changed but from 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 that aspect i do think it will maintain but it it's not just incumbent upon the producers it is the fans maintaining that spirit and that understanding of what this event is or what any event is for that matter um and, and keeping it going because the fans choose they don't want to then you know that's kind of when you make that decision of do you keep doing the event or not can you in any way sort of quantify or qualify how the 20 year run has gone? I mean, from what you maybe envisioned it in uh, 2002 to, to where it is, has it been a, a straight line? Has it been, you know, were there moments where you where cause there was for me. And I, I know when it started, it had this hippie jam fest label and it took a lot of hits early on when people said it's lost its soul, it's changed. But having talked to you and Ashley, that was always sort of the plan was, you know, you, you brought that group in first because they would camp. And the idea mm-hmm. was to add VIP and nicer, you know, all the things that, that you've added, but you can't do that all at once mm-hmm. monetarily. You didn't own the farm. So that's what I mean by, I mean, is, is there, um, a piece of paper somewhere in somebody's desk that says, here's where we want to be in 2022. And how close did you get? I guess is what I'm asking. Oh God, that's a great question. I think for the first several, it was just like, 
we just hope we get to do it again uh, <laughs> type of thing. And, you know, I, don't, I wouldn't say there was a, necessarily a long-term vision goal at that point in time. I think it was just a matter of if we can make it five years, that's awesome. Okay. Um, and I think probably starting around maybe 04, 05, it was like, oh shit, they're still coming. Like we've, we've really got something here. Making it past 04, you're just like, oh, all yeah, right. They came back uh, at 05. Yeah, they came back. <laughs> and I think really that long-term planning started to become more evident once the farm was purchased. Okay. Um, and I think that's where it's gone. So, you know, has it every year you're always kind of taking, taking bits and chunks off and, and, you know, there are definitely plans that you're going after. And sometimes, you know, when, when you've got a good one, you know, it allows you to do, you know, take more of those chunks off other times you, you can't. Um, <clears throat> so I, I would say, yes, I think, you know, we did get there. Now, was it maybe that path that we all thought we we're going to go down? No. Uh, you know, and there's definitely peaks and valleys in, in that. Um, and I think we've taken, we've always swung. And I, and I would say that is we've always tried and no one can accuse us of, or accuse, you know, the, the groups over the years for not going for it and, and swinging and trying new things. Some things landed awesome and other things fell completely flat. And that fan base was the quickest to call you. I'd be like, you uh you, you definitely um missed the mark on that one go, hey, go would, would you right would down. you call would you call missing the mark a big square that you walked into <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about brad okay got it i was well i was no longer there, that's all i could say uh, yeah somebody walked through i mean, i think i know what you're talking about uh <laughs> roll like a rock star didn't work you guys took that you know you adapt or change it and Right. I mean, I think you said that three or four years ago and yeah, you find out what works. Right. I mean, and again, things change. It's like, yeah, that well, program I, was fantastic, but when you own something, is there a way to do it better? And uh, you know, some of the, some of the, the newer faces that, that have come in and, and, and I'll call them out by name tuba um, is some of his approach in terms of asking why and uh, has reframed a lot of what, you know, even the way I approach certain things sometimes is has been fantastic you know i think it gave a real uh like injection of of looking at how we do things instead of saying like that's the way we've always done it it's like why is there a better yeah. way to do it yeah like let's look at a better way to, let's do the best way we can do it not that's the way we've always done it now if the way we always done is the best way to do it because we learned that that's the only way that's going to work that's one thing but question it and, and figure things out and that group has i think has always been great about at, at really questioning what works, what doesn't. And again, you got to fail to succeed in a, in a lot of ways. And so uh, I think there's, there's, this piece happens and it happens across the board. Well, so, know, sort of to Barry's, sort of to Barry's question, what was something that you never ever got to finish or do that was on the list that you said, oh man, if we could do blank and you never got it. Mm. Um, this is going to sound, you know, you talk about grass and, and things being the thing, sewer. Oh, a sewer. Smart. Toilets are a good Be, thing. Being able to, <laughs> to handle and address the uh, wastewater issue. I, I think that's one of those things that, that to me is, that's one that, that I really, you know, I, I put a lot of time and energy on personally uh, that I, I wanted to see a solution out of that. Cause I think that could have been a game changer in, in terms of uh, how, and it, you know, it, that's, that's going to be something that's, you know, that's going to be that you talk about white whales. That's the one mm -hmm. that is so many times it's been, it's been within grasp. And uh, 
you got to make those decisions, but yeah, that, that one I think is a, is a, is a big one. And you start, you know, and I would say other pieces, you know, specifically for the farm is really thinking about that investment of, of how we get or how they, not we, not we anymore, uh, how uh, traffic being addressed and being able to, cause you start looking at the pain points. And I think that was a kind of a shift in focus, even you know last couple of years of there is like, what are the biggest pain points and what can we do? What kind of time and energy can we put toward addressing it? One of the things I think that shifted a big way is uh, guest services and looking at um, how do we take care of the fan or how, 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 you know, how are the fans taken care of? So like from wayfinding to like those types of things, again, it's grass, you know, it's not putting, you know, rolling stones in the main stage or something along those lines. Right. It's, it's those little things that truly make the experience better and special. Um, and I say that's, that's part of what's really exciting about, you know, what I do, what I'm doing now in, in six minutes, the scale is just different. I don't have to think about 120,000 people uh, on a farm, you know, with, mm-hmm. with staff artists, and everything else. I, mm-hmm. I get to think about a ship that's contained and what are these microcosms of experience and knowing that really one, one piece of signage can make a difference in a lot of different ways and having my mindset come in. Cause I, I'm, you know, I, I, I feel blessed and lucky to have the experience that I had and now get to take that into this new phase and, you know, challenge, ask a lot of those why questions for those, some of those people who have been salty and to say like, well, let's look at it this way, see if it, if it changes the guest experience in, in, in a positive way. And that you talk about what, maybe what gets me up in the morning right now and gets me really excited and keeps me up at night are the opportunities right now that, that, that are there to really think differently about how we create these immersive experiences and understand I get to try things in a different way. You know, the, I mean, the, the scale, the economies of scale are completely different. Jeff, Jeff your answer, your answer is exactly why this show exists. I mean, nothing makes me more excited than your answer being sewage. Uh, <laughs> I'm, and I'm totally honest about that because the moment that me and Barry were walking backstage and I noticed the the fact that the the core the the lines were in PVC pipes, and I said, How many hundreds of yards of PVC do they have here? And to think that that, that somebody put it together to put it over to the side so that people weren't tripping over it. That's when the show started. Yeah. That's when we started. I started looking at the whole thing differently. I started looking at what you do now at a little a little bit differently. How do these things start getting put together? And the answer being sewage is just another line of, uh, you know, us. <laughs> well, it's, I, know, I may be like one of the very few people who are thinking that. Uh, by the way, uh, but yeah, th- those are the those are the things that I think no, make, but that, uh, make that's special. the thing you've you've stressed. I think since we've been talking, since I've known you is. It's not just the act on the stage. It starts with the ticket experience. You know, did I have a hassle buying my ticket? Because if I did, I already got a bad taste in my mouth. You know, did my ticket show up on time? Did I have a problem? Did I, did I get to my campsite on time, you know, or in a, in a reasonable amount of, those are the things when you leave that you remember, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the, Mm -hmm. um, the, the great show helps and it will overcome Mm-hmm. in some cases but if you left there and it's like man i didn't have any problem with bathrooms that's a good day you yeah know? yeah yeah so, i mean it is i got in and out with no traffic it, exactly. it is it is pretty exactly. remarkable uh, you know what i got to see the rolling stones at bonnaroo unfortunately i shit myself um <laughs> i just 
Because <laughs> the porta potty was full. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, yeah. what are you going to remember when you go yeah. home? Uh huh. How about the show? Don't remember. Yeah, uh, that's another problem. <laughs> Man, Jeff, I again, we say this to you every time, and it's not just blowing smoke up your ass. I didn't know you the minute that you came on the show years ago and fell in love with you because you are exactly the way that you speak as a brand. You're authentic. Um, you are uh, incredibly gifted at what you do, and you're first and foremost, you're really generous. So being as generous as you are with your time, it's it's as appreciated as you can ever imagine. So thank you so much for uh, hanging out with us and walking us through the new property, the the former property, uh, and I hope the move goes well. Thank you. When you guys uh, in, invites on the table, come join us. I, hey, I'm ready. I'm ready. You name the time, the place. We can start, we can start sussing out this, uh, this, pod, this podcast concept. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. yeah. The the less work I have to do, the better. Uh, <laughs> Barry will testify. I, uh, well, well, it is it is work, uh, but you just could be in a Trump destination. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. If I get to hang out with you two guys shirtless, you count me in. <laughs> you count me in. <laughs> Tropical destination and Barry Gordon. That is Cypress uh, Rice. Love it. Consequence Podcast Network. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.